Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sidious Mag podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. This is an Olympic year, so make sure to smash that subscribe button to stay up on all of the interviews that we'll be bringing you on this feed. A quick thanks to anyone who has taken the time to leave a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. A few of my favorite podcasts give their listeners a shout-out when they leave a review, so I've started doing so at the top of the show, and if you want yours to be read, leave us a five-star review and let us know why you love this podcast. This one comes to us from CGUC. New fan of track and field, Chris and the Sidious team have become a daily part of my running and infotainment routine. I've learned a ton about track and field, and I now enjoy following the best in class and rising stars in the sport. My only regret is that it took me a while to find this digital gateway drug into such a cool new world for me. Cheers, Chris, Kyle, and the team. Ollie pop in hand. Thanks to CGUC for leaving that review. If you can, leave your Instagram handle so we can properly shout you guys out. Let's get into our guest. This week, I'm joined by Tennessee's Ashley Jones. She's got a tremendously inspiring story. At 14 years old, she was in an ATV accident and lost her right arm. That did not stop her from continuing in sports. She was a soccer player and then competed in triathlons before fully committing to running as a junior in high school. She was a cross-country standout for Valor Christian High School in Colorado. She started off her NCAA career at High Point and then joined Tennessee's team this past fall, where she was one of the team leaders during the cross-country season with strong finishes at the SEC Championships and the NCAA South Regional before going on to finish 42nd at the NCAA Cross-Country Championships and led the Vols to a sixth-place team finish. Now, she's getting ready to hit the track in the coming weeks, but joins us with some exciting news that she has signed an an NIL deal with On. All right, without further ado, here is Ashley Jones. All right, Ashley Jones, welcome to the Sidious Mag Podcast. And first off, Congratulations on signing an NIL deal with on what's the most exciting thing about this your first big NIL deal (laughs) jumping right in yeah I'm really excited it is my first big NIL and I'm excited that everything's breaking at the same day so the news will get out but yeah I'm really looking forward to it it's been an amazing process already with working with Kevin from on and and just looking towards the future and some really exciting things that we have coming down the pipeline. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Very humbled for sure. And uh, yeah, just excited. What's, I guess, the coolest part of like looking around and joining, like they've got Maya Ramsden, they've got the Young Brothers. So for you to kind of fit into that NIL puzzle, like what is like now these are kind of your peers. I'm sure you guys will do events together, but for you, I guess, what has been the coolest part, I guess, of, you know, getting to know the company? For sure. I think the company, and then I I'm so excited to get to know all of them too. Cause yes, their goal is to have us get to know each other and cheer each other on too. But the company is um, very unique in the way that they address the athletes. Like they're very in tune with getting to know the lives of the athletes Um, Not only with the way that they train and what athletes are racing where, but also what's going on with their life as far as how are your siblings doing, what's going on with your family, where are you traveling and all that stuff. And that's super unique. I mean, there's not many companies that also keep tabs of that. So I've been able to stay in contact and, and Kevin will stay up to date on what's going on in my life, which is really, really great. So I've enjoyed that a lot and makes me confident for moving forward of the holistic approach to running, how um, a bad race can 
be a multitude of reasons. You know, it can be training, but it also can be the happenings in your life. And so to be able to, um, or a good race, you know, let's <laughs> also turn it on the other way, but a good race can be a multitude of things. So just being able to talk about all of them is exciting. And then figuring out how I fit into that puzzle too, of getting to know all of those amazing, amazing athletes. Like, again, I'm just humbled at the opportunity and excited to continue to work and, and, and race and, uh, yeah, get to know all of them. So, yeah. One of the most interesting things about just like the NIL landscape, which like, I'm sure so many people are still trying to figure out, even like athletic departments are like, I don't know what's happening here, but it's like, okay, so we've got people signing NIL deals as high schoolers. And that's, you know, I think the coolest part about that is just like high school kids love following and talking about other high school kids. And so you tap into that influence. Then at the same time, on the performance side of things, you have these NCAA champions, a Grand Blanks, of Maya Ramsden signing NIL deals with some of these bigger companies. And then the interesting part too is the athletes who don't have the fastest PRs or all of the titles. And I would think that you fall into sort of that bucket where you're coming off of this big cross country season and on working with you, I think is looking to tap more into sort of your own story as an athlete and as a person. So for you, I guess, like when you've explored these conversations, I guess, what is the most important thing that you think you bring to a brand? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that's exactly right of the multitude of athletes that they're signing. And for me personally, it's, it's been like, okay, what do I bring? But also knowing that it's so much more than just running times. And like, that's, that's the hope. Obviously we're all signing these things with running companies. So it's not absent of that, but, um, I do desire to bring a story of someone that didn't have the fastest PRs coming out of high school. And for that to be a story that rings in people's ears too, of like, you don't have to be the fastest national champ coming out of high school to have success in college. And I think that's been a testament of the training, especially this last semester and the training looking forward, but like it can be done um, with building and being patient and waiting and, and just buying into the process. And I mean, for, for the people that are national champs out of high school and then just continue on the trajectory, how amazing. And, and that's, um, that's a feat in itself too, to be able to sustain that. So it's just trying to echo a different story, you know, of, of it can be done and it doesn't just take you having to be a national champ in high school to make it happen or, or having even like early success in college. Like this has been later success in college and, thankfully to COVID and all the eligibility that rolls on to, to more years, I'll be around a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's a really fun opportunity to, to be like, it can come later too. So I read the runner's world feature. I listened to the podcast appearance that you did with uh, one of the, like the university of Tennessee podcasts. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty well-versed in hearing your story and just how inspiring it's been. And it goes back, I guess, like really kind of takes off in your early teenage years, do you, I guess, want to use that as kind of a starting point where like 2017 at 15 years old, this is really sort of where your life takes just a huge turn and it's mm -hmm. just such a pivotal part of your life story. Right. Yes. Um, even going into this new year, it's kind of crazy to reflect back on the fact that it's been eight years since um, I was in a significant accident that changed my whole life. And so, yeah, some days it feels like it was yesterday and some days it feels like it was ages ago. Um, I'm kind of in the spot where it feels like ages ago right now, but it, it ebbs and flows. But um, yes, I was um, in, an, in an ATV accident at the age of 14 and only by a miracle, I was, um, my, my life was saved that day. And by that, I mean, that the only thing that wasn't damaged so the so the vehicle fell onto my right side i was in the passenger seat and unfortunately with a bunch of different conditions the the vehicle rolled onto my right side and and crushed my arm and in the instance that it happened i didn't really think of the severity of what it was until 
I got to the hospital that night and no longer had movement of my right arm as we went into surgery. And so that was kind of the moment where um, as much as I could think about it because of all the pain meds that I was on um, and being um, I was hella back to a children's hospital in Denver. And so um, many things were going on, to say the least. And so that was the moment that I think it changed a lot for me in my mind of, okay, this this might change my life. And I woke up that morning as a right arm amputee. Um, so my amputation is pretty far up uh, my arm, just a couple inches below my shoulder. And that does make a difference as far as what you're able to do um, and carry things and different details like that. But I, uh, yeah, it's, it's changed my life a lot. And I think going back to what we were talking about before of signing the NIL is to also show people that it doesn't matter. It, it matters to the point that it's, it's sincere to your life and it's a point of your story that's probably really close to your heart, but you can also chase after amazing dreams and chase after exciting things. And, and luckily have just had so many people around me since that age, like reflecting back at 14, just trying to wrap my head around the fact that I was able to comprehend what I did and step out and continue to, to understand, to relearn how to write and all those things like my brother is close to that age right now. And it's kind of crazy to think about that happening to, to someone at that age. Um, but I'm grateful and beyond grateful that the Lord just gave me understanding during that time and that he covered me with his protection and continues to cover me in it now as his story just unravels in my life and how, um, it's just a testament to his grace and his kindness. And yeah, I, I feel it very deeply, especially in this season of, of exploring kind of what the story looks more and, and I didn't know what it looked like at 14. And so it's just been patiently taking steps of faith, knowing that he'll provide exactly what needs to be provided. And so, yeah, this is me continuing to step out in faith and um, seeing exactly what the journey looks like right now. And it's not going to be revealed till later, but that I don't need to worry about. Your life, you know, has this massive interruption up until that point, you know, for you, I'm guessing it was just normal teenage years going about school, exploring sports. I guess soccer was like the big thing up, up until then. Yes. Yep. Yep. Soccer was the sport that, um, led me into running too. And so I know that's a common story for a lot of runners is like, oh yeah, I, I played soccer in my younger years. And then I ended up picking up running and hated it in the first couple of years and then actually enjoyed it. And now I'm here, you know, but uh, yeah, running was something that I did in my younger years. And uh, my accident happened the summer before my freshman year of high school. And so I was trying to figure out if I was going to play um, soccer after my accident. And I did come back for a short time before I decided that it wasn't the safest option for me. And they, they get really aggressive, especially going into college. And I didn't know exactly if I wanted to play in college yet, but if, um, if something happens to my left arm, that's not a good thing. So, um, luckily running isn't super, uh, it's not a contact sport. And so, um, I just, I just knew that the Lord was leading me in a different direction and started running um, the end of my junior year. And uh, and so a lot of things have come of my accident, but one of them I know is that I wouldn't be running. And so some people ask like, oh, how would you be like, what would you do if you were a runner, if you had two arms? And I'm like, yeah, no, that's probably, that's a great question. And I, I'm curious about that too, but I also know I wouldn't be running. So um yeah, it's it's a funny thing to think about, but that's definitely taught me that um everything happens because it's supposed to happen that way. And and so yeah, but my younger years were in the the orange peels and what else do they have for snacks? Like the Capri Sun era of oh, that's right. Yeah. days. Yeah. That's amazing. Um so I mean even hearing you talk about, you know, the accident and in the time that has passed since, I'm sure there's been a lot to kind of not put it behind you and completely bury it, but just learn to live with that moment. 
And hearing you, like, you just sound so resilient and brave now. It, but, like, I'm sure in the moment when you're just a teenager, there must have been fear and shock. What was that like, I guess, like, waking up in that hospital bed after, you know, undergoing the surgery? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. There was a lot of emotions and and it was a lot of questions. I think the biggest emotion was just like trying to understand what was going on. And then also immense pain was those days in the hospital. Yeah, there was a lot of pain that I was trying to deal with and trying to figure out what meds I was going to be on at the time. And um, thank the Lord that I'm not on any meds anymore. Um, but during that time, the phantom pain that you might have heard about or um, that happens after an amputation was pretty severe. And so we were trying to get that under control and just really take it one step at a time and not try to take on too much just because one aspect of it was pretty overwhelming, let alone trying to take on four. So we would start with trying to deal with the pain and then we'd move on to what is the occupational therapist said? And then we'd move on to, well, what does the physical therapist say? And then um, when are we leaving the hospital? All of those rather simple questions, but trying to approach it and just take one at a time. And luckily with my family around, it was it was scarier at moments, I think, especially when it became like nighttime and your mind just starts racing. But I am grateful that I wasn't consumed with fear or consumed with thoughts of depression at all. Like totally thank the Lord for that. Um, and I just, I just knew my life had purpose and I still believe that. And, and so that's kind of what drove the rather positive emotions during that time, um, to, to really see what my life looks like now and also being confident physically of what I look like. That's a, that's a barrier too, that some people can face and overcome and grateful that I I'm confident in the way that I look and, and how it's a physical difference, but um, it can be beautiful too. Yeah, I'm sure there were just like you mentioned, like writing everyday things that all of a sudden were different or you had to teach yourself how to adjust and do, you know, maybe there were looks, you know, going around when you would walk by and those those probably still mm -hmm. occur. You're running a race. You could maybe hear someone be like, oh, my gosh, look. Uh, yeah. So what did you tell yourself at such a young age? to realize like this is the reality that you have to live with for the rest of your life right right yes no it's it happened then and it still happens now and I think one thing that's been a coping mechanism with all of that is laughter and just like the comedy of it too that you just can't take those scenarios so seriously because they they will have an effect on you if you really think about them but when I'm with my friends or I'm with my family, we laugh about it and we're like, oh yeah, haha, <laughs> -ha, you know? Um, and cause it's not something that people see every day and it's not their fault that they might have a reaction that you don't really feel like is, is warranted. Um, and if the response is super negative and, and, um, trying to come back at them with a response, then you lose the opportunity to be like, no, it's okay. Like <laughs> there's, there's people that can run in the NCAA that are amputees. Like there's people that can do really cool things that are also amputees or whatever that might be, you know, you fill in the blank. So um, I think it's, it's comedy. And then also taking the opportunity to be like, yeah, no, it's okay. And little kids are the most curious, you know, they come up and they just ask the craziest questions, but it's really fun. And you can just be like, oh yeah, no, it's okay. It's just, just a big boo-boo, you know, or something to try, to try to settle them down. Cause it can be a little startling, but, um, all in all, I think, um, it's, it warrants really good conversation. Bethany Hamilton, who lost her arm to a shark attack at 13 years old, was one of the people, I guess, who reached out to you shortly mm -hmm. after. I guess, what did you take away from that conversation? And also, you know, when you do mention, you know, these public figures, whether they're, you know, are amputees that go on to compete at the Paralympics or whatever it is, like they're very public figures that do provide that inspiration for those kids. Like it does got to be, a, it's got to be like a little 
degree crazy that it's like you could be someone like that for these younger kids if, if they see you at the track or at a clinic at, at like a kid's training clinic or something like that yes i i think that's the most humbling aspect about it is because it's not it can not only be encouraging for people that do um experience some difference but it can be for anyone like we all go through hard things and so mine's very physically outward like it's an outward appearance but we all go through hard things. And if you're having a bad day and you see someone that's willing to pick themselves up and continue on, then that can be a really cool opportunity. And I have had the chance of talking and building a friendship with Bethany over the years. And um, we spoke together in the hospital. And as we talked about dealing with the pain, she really helped with that. I was able to talk through that whole process with her and how she experienced it experiences it now. And then as far as looking forward to the years, her camp, Friends of Bethany, and um, specifically the camp for women is called Beautifully Flawed. And it's a time where women just come together that have experienced limb difference and to build a community and to have women exchange stories. I think our testimonies are super powerful in our life. And when you're able to look at someone, tell your story, and then for them to be like, I know what that feels like. I have been there too. That's super powerful, no matter the capacity. And so that brought me a lot of hope. It taught me a lot of what we were talking about of the simple things that I had to learn. I learned it there and have just, they've been great resources to call or text and be like, Hey, this is the first time I'm experiencing this. Have you experienced it? And so that's been a, an amazing community. And then looking forward to to encourage others. Yeah, it's a it's a really humbling experience. And um and we're just gonna have to see what's in store. And I'm just gonna keep stepping out in faith and um and having the conversations and uh yeah, we'll see what happens. So then at some point you make the decision to leave soccer behind. Mm -hmm. How difficult was that? I don't think it was necessarily a super difficult decision. I think I was more nervous to get on the field than anything. And as anyone that's been in a sport where you lose certain emotions, like if you lose the excitement, if you lose the joy, then it's not that hard anymore. And I was excited about what was to come. And and during the time that I quit soccer, I was looking to compete in triathlons. And so not that it um, exactly replace that, but I was really looking forward to the new journey and learning a new sport. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily super, super difficult just because I knew that it was the right decision. Before your first triathlon, what are the feelings? Like you, you said, maybe getting some nerves and fear with soccer, but I guess that when you're diving into a whole new sport that first time, what were you thinking before going into the water? Oh, totally. I think my first emotion was like, I'm so unprepared. <laughs> and that was the really fun part about it is like, I, I have trained for this and I kind of know what I'm doing, but also I have no idea what I'm doing. And so being a competitor my whole life, that was like the driving force of my first triathlons. Um, but a lot of it was a learning curve of you're not supposed to do that. Well, you could have got a lot of time like minimized by not doing that and so it was just fun it was it was a really exciting time that was my that was my junior year too and it was the the emotion was like utter I don't even know it was just my mind was racing there was so much going on that I was trying to comprehend and and trying to be like oh I need to remember that and I need to do this and okay we're transitioning to that and it Triathlon's a really creative sport and it takes a lot of intentionality to be able to do something even more than like a sprint triathlon or full or whatever to to get up to those higher distances. So did you start to see flashes of your running prowess at that point? I I saw it a little bit and it was my triathlon days were half complemented with when I started running and so I competed in triathlons my junior year and then to just train with people during the discipline of running for triathlons. I came out for the track and field team and asked the coach if I can come. And he had been wanting me to run for years. And so he was like, yes, please come. And so I saw a little bit 
competing in triathlons, but then I also saw it more when I just ran my first race and it was, it was, um, it was interesting again, but it was a mile and everyone was excited. I won my heat. And when you win your heat, even like if it's really bad heat, people are like, oh, dang, you know, but uh, we grew from there. And so I I started to see a little bit, um, maybe not see it, but just really enjoy it and really um, want to invest more in it and look forward to my senior year and all of that stuff. So is this head coach Greg Copland that you're talking about here? Yes. So yes. I love giving coaches their flowers. So Valor High head coach, I <laughs> guess for him, and no, I guess for you, like how formative was he in this you know period of your life? Oh my goodness. He's still a great family friend. And it was um, Greg Copeland and Kula were my coaches. So I'll give them both a shout out because they deserve it. But I actually just got off the phone with um, Copeland the other day and we're, we're still just awesome friends and support each other in life. And it's a really cool dynamic to, to have the um, time in my life where he was my coach and then have this time where he's cheering me on from, the perspective of running, but then also just life. And I appreciate the way that he's um, invested in me and believed in me from that younger time and still today and just be able to connect as friends now is really amazing. So I love him dearly and he's just an awesome friend. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool relationship. Was there any point when it may have been even a learning curve, I guess, for a coach to take you on as an athlete later mm-hmm. on, just sort of like, oh, it's like you can't do this workout or we have to focus on certain things to strengthen this part of your body. Like how tailored can sometimes working with you as an athlete have to be? Yeah, I think that it's always been tailored. I And it's been a learning process for me because sometimes I don't even know what to tell them because we're doing an exercise that we've never done before and they've never had an athlete like this. So it's fun to come together and be like, I don't know exactly what we need, but we need to figure this out to stay healthy for one and to two, to make sure that we're trying to get the exercises to look as similar as someone that has two arms. Um, But we need like an explosive exercise when they're doing an explosive workout or so from my strength trainers, they've had really cool opportunities to adapt certain exercises. And that's been a really interesting process to learn together too. So I'm, I'm pretty well equipped now to know what works and what doesn't as far as strength training. And then as far as running, just because we're constantly, um, adapting the workouts, we're still having that conversation. So coach Carlson and I work a lot on, how do we stay healthy and do this workout? If I have a tweak here and a tweak there, or um, <clears throat> we try to minimize how much we do on the track as far as like a six mile tempo, we don't want to continuously take left-hand turns just because of my weight distribution. We found that that's not super effective. And so we've adapted that. We've adapted certain other things where I'll just go on the treadmill or I'll have a data boost to just keep me healthy. So it definitely doesn't look like everyone's training, but we found that it's it's working. And so just trying to stick with that and then learn other ways to adapt training, um, even when you're running. I think it's super important to still be in tune with your body. So before we got even to this breakout you know, at Tennessee under coach Carlson, you know, what were some of the signs that you saw at high point where you started off that told you, all right, like, I'd love to continue elevating this and, you know, take it to the SEC. So for you, I guess, what were some of the big improvements and jumps you saw at high point that gave you the confidence to be like, all right, I want to elevate this even more. My freshman year was, was a breakout year as far as just translating high school to college. And by no means was I super competitive, but it was like, okay, I can run these paces. I can do these workouts and I can hold this mileage. And so it was just a simple translation from lower mileage in high school to more mileage, more intense workouts, all of those things. And then as the years built, seeing glimpses of it as as far as 
what are other people running? What are you running? How does the conference look? All of those things. Um, I don't think there was a definitive moment where I was like, this is, this is the race. And now I want to use this race to go somewhere where I can continue to run at these paces with these people. Um, but I think there was small glimpses of it here and there. My, my, um, my junior year, um, to, to just be able to hold the workouts. And I think I just felt something in my gut that was telling me to continue to elevate and continue to want more and to compete at higher levels. And, and knowing that conviction for myself, I think it was easier to, to want more and to reach out and, and continue in running. So, yeah. The presenting sponsor of the City of Smack podcast is Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We all know the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. It's a delicious and healthy alternative whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices. Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. My favorite flavor is tropical punch. City of Smack podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders while using code CITIUS25 at checkout on drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So the next time that you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code CITIUS25. This past fall with the cross-country team, I mean, NCAAs, your team had such a surprising and like really good showing. How big of a race was that for you just in terms of just cross-country has always kind of been NXN. I go back to, I guess, like from your high school days as well, like a strong point for you that this past season, I guess there were signs along the way too with regionals and, mm-hmm. and eventually at NCAAs you finished what was it? 42nd, I think it was mm-hmm. um, like you're really good at cross country. So now how do we get this to translate even more on the track? Right, right. Yeah, it was an exciting season. And I think one of the biggest components was just consistency um, from summer training and then coming into Tennessee. We were really consistent throughout the whole season. And I think that was my um, biggest confidence builder going into a lot of the races and a lot of what we did as a team was not always like seen. I think we were continuing to build in SECs and then regionals and then having it come together more in nationals and even surprising ourselves. I don't know if there was any videos that were shared of when they actually told us and we were like, what? But it was an exciting point to also be the underdogs throughout the season and not really be talked about and growing the ranks. And that, that was always a fun thing to talk about and to get excited about, and then to just buy in and training and buy in in the friendships and time together was, was always a good time. So I think it was an amazing season and yeah, the question now, now is in front of us of how we take that season and know what works and know what doesn't work and translate it into indoor and outdoor. I remember seeing coach Carlson, like in the hotel lobby, I think the day before the race, cause you guys had raced, you know, on the course, I think back in October and that this time around, you guys didn't even go see the course. I think before the national championship, I'm like, mm-hmm. what an interesting strategy. Mm-hmm. So the next, the second time you get to compete on that course, you're, you're looking around and you're seeing it's the best in the country. I mean, were there any nerves on that starting line? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, uh, if anyone has the special potion to not have nerves for a race, uh, they should talk about it more, but there's definite nerves. And I think nerves are a great thing because it means you're excited. It means you care. It means that you want to be there. And so don't let them overwhelm you, but, oh yeah, there was definite nerves also considering the fact that none of us had ever been at to NCAAs. So every single person that was running for Tennessee in that race had never raced at NCAAs, which was kind of crazy. And so as we were prepping for the race, we were kind of looking at races in the past, um, national races in the past. And 
being like, okay, you want to be approximately like in this area. And then this pack wants to be in this area and having certain, um, things talked about, like it's going to go out fast, all those things that, that people know. Oh, it went out fast. (laughs) It went out fast. It stays fast. Like you just feel completely overwhelmed. And the craziest thing about that race that I think has never happened in years past was the whole time you were just in this tunnel of people screaming, like almost the whole time in the race. And so there wasn't really a time where you could mentally like get in a different place. Like everyone was always screaming at you and you were in this like tunnel of noise. So there wasn't really a time where you're like, oh, I can breathe. And it's a little quieter. Like the whole race was like that and it was awesome. So we need to continue that, but um, for, for races to come, but yeah, it was, it was fun to all have it be our first NCAAs and ta- to share in that moment and, and then to look for the future. Having gone into the sport all in at a later age, at what point do you start sort of becoming more of a fan of track and of the sport? Because, you know, there are those kids who grow up, you know, being dreaming of the Olympics from when they were like four or five. But for you, I feel like I sense that that moment didn't start until much later on, just like having that awareness. For sure. It, it did start later on as, as far as the excitement building, the awareness, who are the names, what are the races, all of those things. And to be honest, I think I'm still learning about it, but it, I, I'm a lot more acclimated of who are the names, who are the people, all of those things. But it's kind of fun to not start um, until later because then you, you're not at the, expense of so much comparison for maybe your younger high school years or maybe your younger college years. And although that can be a good thing, I think it's been a fun process again, as so much of what we've talked about to, to not be running since I was, you know, 10 and now here, it's been a good process to learn a lot and to just grow. Um, and then to, to learn more and be acclimated to, to everything that's going on in social media and all that stuff. I am in a hundred percent agreement. It blows some people's minds when I tell them like, I didn't actually start following track until like I was a sophomore in college and it's now my everyday life. I run a whole media company covering track and, you know, I do my own running, but it's like, yeah, no, it's only been like 10 years for me. So, yeah. um, I love, you know, kind of hearing when people find it later on and then, and then getting hooked. So, I mean, do you think like, you have professional aspirations like posts. It's not like an NIL deal is a guarantee that you're going to go pro mm-hmm. afterwards, but for you, I guess, how far do you want to take this? Mm-hmm. That is the question that we've been talking a little bit about. There's no need to jump the gun at the moment just because of more eligibility. So I think it is contingent on just competing well, staying healthy and racing well and all of those things. But it is something I go back and forth with of what do I want the next couple of years to look like. And I think why there hasn't been like a definitive decision is I'm not exactly sure what it looks like in two years. And so also I don't know how well my body is going to hold up. And so I hope that it's going to hold up just fine and I'm confident that it will. But again, as an amputee, like I just deal with things differently. My, my body takes different tolls on things. So to be able to compete at that level, I would want to be able to compete at that level. And so we're, we toy around with the idea, but the opportunity also has to present itself. So I don't want to be presumptuous of that. And we just enjoy the time in the NCAA right now. And then if that's a, a move from multiple different avenues, then I think it would be amazing. And yeah, we'll go, we'll, we'll stay here. We'll stay present here and yeah. yeah, talk about that in a little bit. So for the past month, I guess we haven't seen you race. You're getting ready to hit the track. Be mm-hmm. you for an mm-hmm. opener special place. Cause it's, you know, historically and traditionally fast week in week out. Um, what do you, what are some goals that you've got for yourself? I guess this indoor season or looking, you know, forward to, to outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yes. So some of the goals for indoors, I think are we're, we're running, we're running a 5k at BU, um, the second week in February. So I'm really excited about that race. I think I will be rewriting a lot of my track times. And so 
that's what we're really looking forward to this. Yeah, I was kind of going through the list of your PRs and I was like, huh, interesting. I was like, it really was, I guess, this past cross country season that like you really burst onto a lot more people's radars. I mean, even Mm -hmm. last year you did compete. I'm trying to see, let me pull up here. So no, I was looking at these PRs. I was like, uh, her indoor PR is 1703. <laughs> like that's going down Correct. at BU. <laughs> yeah. So BU will be a PR regardless, but it will be a lot faster than that. And training is going really well right now. So we're encouraged by that. And yeah, it's to, the, the goal is to break 16 at BU and then to score well at SECs. I think, um, Tennessee women are getting really excited about SECs and coming together, knowing how to support different groups and different people on the team. So we're really excited about SECs and then wanting to get a regional qualifier at Raleigh to open up in the 10K. And as far as beyond that, we haven't talked much, but uh, that those are the, the goals for the time being. Do you have a preference between being a 5K girl or a 10K girl? Like I, it takes so many laps. <laughs> Do I have a preference? I think that right now I'm leaning more towards the 5K, but I've always wanted to make the 10K and I better friends. And so I want to race the 10K and feel like I did it properly. And so have the training for the 10K, have the aerobic capacity to be able to race really well and to write re- rewrite that one too so <laughs> that one needs to be rewritten and um so that's what i'm i'm really looking forward to the 10k so we'll see as far as what we specialize in um between the 5k and the 10k outdoors but i would like to race both and and then kind of figure out which one it, it's going to be i love it 2024 a year full of prs ahead the runner's world piece closes with a quote that you had that said, I might've been the most underqualified, underqualified person in track, cross country and triathlons, but my experiences have shown me that sometimes you're a lot stronger than you think you are. When God says he will bring you into a new time of joy, it's true. Mm-hmm. So kind of ever, it, the piece is a couple years old mm-hmm. now at this point, these past couple years, as you start to see these bright points of success and big fun moments like, you know, signing the NIL deal and, you know, nationals, I guess, what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had, I guess, and, and, and growth since kind of that piece came out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one is a, is a little dated now, but I, it still rings true from what you said of the fact that I, I feel more prepared. I do. I don't, I'm not, exactly in that same mode of feeling unprepared but um i think it's always a really fun mindset to be in of of the naivety of things but then also learning about them and being excited when you know what to do and you know how to race and you know when good training comes together and all of those things so um i th- reflecting back on the when the runners world magazine was written. And then to now it's just remembering all the things that I've been through. It's remembering that really amazing time that they took the time and energy to write that article, to reach so many people. And again, just being at a sense of awe that people read it and be encouraged. And now looking to use what I've been through and what my younger years looked like and remembering that I still have a reason to wake up in the morning and um, trudge through the pain sometimes and commit myself to something. And uh, if it can reach people, then how amazing that it can reach people and encourage and give them a hope that their life has purpose, their life has meaning, their story is not over. And that's something that's that I've trusted in and bought into the to the fact that my story is not over. And like we talked about, it's continuing to get revealed. And so I think as we take that quote and translate it into now, it's like the story is getting revealed and I'm getting more excited. And I it's not that I wasn't excited then, but it's like it's a different age. It's a different chapter of life. And there's different aspects that are coming in, like on like Tennessee, like other amazing things, friendships and coaches and and chances to tell people that 
there's so many amazing things out there. And so, and also that life is amazing outside of running too. Like that's that running world, the runner's world magazine was written specifically to reach runners, but hopefully that they know that their life can look amazing outside of running. And even when running's not going well, that they still find hope and joy in a bigger purpose. And, and I'm so grateful that that's been steadfast through the Lord over these last couple of years. And I will continue to come to him because he has so much grace and mercy and, and, uh, look towards what he has in store. So I'm just following his lead. I'm following his footsteps. And, uh, and it's, it's just not like a, it's not a passive process. Like stepping out in faith when I was 14, wasn't passive and stepping out in faith now is not passive. And, and so trying to encourage people too that, um, life doesn't just happen. You know, you, you have to buy in and, and step out and, and know that there is great plans. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. Beautifully said. Um, all right. To close out, I've got some questions I've been workshopping to end the show with mm. every guest. So first one is favorite race ever that you've run. I, I think I would have to go to NCAAs. I know that's an easy one, but I think that's that that was amazing. Yeah. All right. Next one. If you could go back and rerun any race, which one would it be <laughs> and why? Um, I would go back and re-race my 10k at UVA my sophomore year, I believe. And is that the one that your PR is from? It is. It is. Okay. However, <laughs> PR is generous, I think. Um, but that one, this, this might be a little TMI, but I, uh, I had a sandwich too close to that race. And so I was unwell, like that whole race. And so as far as we're talking about learning things, yeah, it's to not eat a sandwich so close to that race. So I would re I would rerun that one and I wouldn't eat the sandwich that I had, even though it was a great sandwich. Never again. Was it like a homemade sandwich, a Subway sandwich? Like, I'm so curious of the extra details. Here. <laughs> I know. I know. It wasn't homemade. I think we went to like a Jersey Mike subs. Oh, man. It's always hard to figure out the timing of when you eat for a 10K because they're usually at like 10 o'clock at night. And so you're usually so hungry and you want to eat something, but you just have to wait a little longer. <laughs> so you usually have like a big breakfast, smaller lunch. And then I guess I had a second lunch and it was too close to race time. So that those are those are the further details. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm keeping that question for forever for future guests too. Cause that was, that led to a great answer. Um, who is the toughest person or toughest competitor you've ever lined up against? Like someone mm -hmm. who you maybe look forward to me like, all right, every time I step to the line against her, she's going to be, she's going to be good and tough to beat. Mm -hmm. I guess you got exposed to Parker Valby a couple of times, right? Exposed is generous. Um, <laughs> She's an amazing competitor. I mean, yeah. yeah, we were in the same races. And I I think I'll I'll really be figuring that out indoors and outdoors just because cross country is so chaotic and there's so many things going on and you like kind of recognize people, you kind of don't. Um so I think I'll I'll really figure that out indoors outdoors. So sorry to we might have to loop around for that question. Sounds good. Um all right. Favorite pro runner. Oh, great question. I would have to go with a Cindy, Cindy McLaughlin classic. I think she's okay. stable. I think she's encouraging. I, I really love the way that she speaks and, um, I think she's a great encouragement of, uh, awesome competitor, but also how stable she is in her faith and encouraging others too. So I would love to give her a shout out. Um, best piece of advice a coach has ever given you. Best piece of advice was coming from this cross country season where we all deal with our things of, we talked about nerves. We talked about being prepared for races, but coach Carlson looked at me and he, we would have like a pep talk before every race, very short, but it was like, um, he believed in me and that goes a long way. 
And then he looked at me one day when we were in the office and he goes, Ashley, I can tell you that I believe in you over and over and over, but you have to believe in yourself. And so I think that's my greatest piece of running advice I've ever been given because yeah, so many people can tell you that they believe in you or that you can do this or, um, whatever it might be, but you have to believe it yourself and you have to, to make it a priority in your mind to, to prioritize that and, and really believe in it. Awesome. I think that's a good point to close things out. Um, Ashley, appreciate you taking the time for this. Congratulations on the NIL deal. Best of luck in the race at BU, but you'll be popping by Orlando, right? For some yes. NIL stuff with on. Yes. So I will be in Orlando um, next week. I will be there February 1st and such an opportunity that on has given me too with a translation of, of the NIL to be able to encourage the younger generations that they can do it too. So I'm so excited. Yes. Um, the on den will be easy luck coffee in Orlando. So that's where you want to be. If you're in Orlando for the trials on, will be having pop-up, pop-up events all week. So you want to come and then specifically they're going to be having a event on um, February 1st, the night of February 1st, it starts at 6 PM and it's for high school cross country and track athletes. And the first 150 to RSVP for this event at easy luck coffee will get free um, on cloud boom echoes three. So you want to RSVP if you're listening to this and you're a high schooler in the Orlando area, or you're coming for the trials and Martin will be there too, giving away nutrition kits. It's going to be a time. And then we're all going on a run together. So it's going to be three or four miles through the marathon course. And yeah, again, that's, it's going to be, yeah, the night of February 1st, I'll be there with some other on athletes. I don't know if I'm allowed to share. I don't know if it's a secret. So they're amazing. You're you're going to want to be there. And yeah. I heard the Sidious Mad Cafe in Orlando is going to have better coffee, but uh, regardless, there's going to be, there's going to be so much to do in Orlando. um, And that sounds exciting. I mean, it's going to be pretty cool. I guess like when we start to see, it's just awesome when the brands utilize, you know, high performance athletes, whether they're at the high school, college or professional level to really connect with, with the running community. So uh, no, it sounds super exciting, but yeah. we're going to have a bigger run, I'm sure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, we might have to compare coffee. That's going to be yeah. it's going to be a big one. <laughs> Ashley, I appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.